You just missed a home run. I missed out on an incredible deal you were offering at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. It just started. You can get beautiful Pella Windows and pay no interest for four years. Visit PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, that's always a bad sign. I come in here. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Sit down. Got my big laptop. Got my big desktop computer. Open up all the different websites I want to look at. And literally, three seconds before Mike Spaulding throws it to me, the entire screen goes blank. Google crashes. Huh. All right. Let's try that restore button and see. That's okay. No problem. Lots of ground to cover on today's program. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Let me invite you to check out um, one of my latest postings that is up there. And I, I, I mentioned this yesterday, and it's one of the frustrations I have sometimes with the media coverage on things is that there's just no institutional memory uh, around here, and we don't ask some of those tough questions. The, the announcement that comes out yesterday is that the Menominee Tribe, which is based out of kind of the Shawano area, they are partnering with partnering again with the Seminole Indian Tribe out of Florida who own essentially the Hard Rock Cafes. And what they want to do is they want to bring a casino to southeastern Wisconsin. Originally, the plans were to locate it where the old Dairyland Park Greyhound track was, and, and that was a proposal that was out there. Now the new plan is we're going to apparently buy some land in the town of Bristol just to the west of the freeway. Dairyland Greyhound Park was to the east of I-43, and we'll, we'll go through the, this whole process. And so they're, they're announcing that. And, and by the way, I'm very agnostic on this. I'm a, I'm a free market guy. I was, as a general rule, I, I think that competition is good. And I think that clearly, if you were to have a another casino, this time in, in Kenosha, it would... I, I think provide competition for the Potawatomi Casino in downtown Milwaukee, and and maybe that would be good for everybody. The other reality of the situation, though, is that uh, as a general rule, unless you're in Las Vegas, you you don't drive past one casino to get to another casino. So Potawatomi is legitimately and has been for years and years legitimately concerned about the competition that another casino would bring. Okay, Jeff, well, why are you bringing this up? See, I don't care about how you feel about gaming. I don't care about whether you think there should be more competition or not. The, the problem, and I haven't seen this mentioned, and it's driving me crazy because it, it's the overwhelming problem that's out there. Um, I do not see how you're going to get another Indian casino approved in Kenosha because the same problem that you have now is the problem that you had in 2015 when the Walker administration said no to this, which is the problem you had in 2009. When the gaming compacts were originally signed by then-Governor Jim Doyle, the Potawatomi Indian tribe was given exclusive rights to gaming in southeastern Wisconsin. They pay money for those rights. So that's their contractual agreement. And back in 2015, the last time this was being pushed, 
the, the Walker administration ended up saying no. And in the real, the, the reason they cited, and there might have been other reasons, but the reason they cited is they estimated that they thought it could cost the state taxpayers up to like a hundred million dollars in lost revenue if they went ahead and authorized a new casino. Because it, again, depending on how you look at the terms of the agreement, the Potawatomi. Um, would have been relieved from their obligations to make payments and might have even been entitled to back payments. So the, the Walker administration looked at this and said, well, there's no way we're going to authorize another casino in violation of the compact that's going to cost us, uh, the taxpayers, an enormous amount of money. And as near as I can tell, th- there's no there's no indication at all that the Potawatomi are willing to sign away their exclusive rights. And, and you can't fault them. They're, 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 why would you do that? You pay for this. It's part of the agreement. Why would you, if you have a choice, if you have, if you run the McDonald's restaurant and, you know, you have a decision to make, somebody wants to put in a Wendy's right across the street, but you have to approve it for some reason, why in the world would you approve that Wendy's across the street when you know it's going to hurt your business? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that that's the reality. And nothing that I have heard over the last couple of days with, again, all these grandiose plans and stuff gets around the, the basic problem that... The Potawatomi have an exclusive agreement with the state, and in order to, there's not enough money to get them to give up that exclusive agreement. So for all these TV reports and the newspaper reports and all these conversations, it would be nice if somebody would ask the fundamental question, how do you get around the exclusivity, and what's different now in 2022 than was different in 2015, was different in 2009? I'm just saying, again, I take no position on whether or not you want to have another casino and whether more gambling is good in southeastern Wisconsin and whether or not the market is oversaturated. That's not even the point. There is this reality that's there, and the reality is the agreement that was struck with the Potawatomi Give them exclusive rights. How are you going to get around it? And I don't hear anybody talking about that. And I see no indication, and again, understandably so, why the Potawatomi would give up their exclusive rights. Makes no sense. So if you want to see my my tweet on this, you can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Okay, let us get started. We all know that in the city of Milwaukee, there is an enormous enormous problem with reckless driving. We have talked about that ad infinitum on this program. People stealing cars, people then driving those stolen cars through red lights at high rates of speed, people fleeing from the police, people driving on sidewalks, just in general, complete and total recklessness. The city of Milwaukee is doing some things in order to address that. They're looking at you know, changing the construction of certain streets to make it more difficult to speed. We're talking about towing the cars of people who are driving recklessly in unregistered vehicles. I'm in favor of that. Matter of fact, we did a topic earlier this week. I think one of the things they should do, why are we only towing the cars of unregistered vehicles that are involved in reckless driving? You get caught driving an unregistered vehicle, I say bring out the tow truck, put on the hook, haul that car away, and you know you don't get it back till you get the car registered. You show proof of insurance, and you pay the fines. That, that's, that would be my idea. 
But those are just some of the things that are being done. Here's, I have in my hand, a media release from the City of Milwaukee's Department of City Development. This is another step that they have that they are considering to help address reckless driving in Milwaukee. Let me read a portion of this to you. City's Public Artist in Residence pilot program to help address reckless driving in Milwaukee. New effort will foster collaboration between local artists and city government to address civic challenges and deploy creative solutions. The Milwaukee Arts Board approved the Public Artist in Residence pilot program to invest in the city's culture to invest in the city's cultural creators by leveraging the knowledge and practice of local artists to artists to build a stronger Milwaukee. I don't even know what that means. Under the program, a local artist will be hired by a city of Milwaukee agency or department to develop, strategize, promote and implement artist-driven solutions to civic challenges. Okay? For the pilot year, the soon-to-be-selected artist will be placed in the City of Milwaukee's Department of Public Works to develop innovative approaches that will help address reckless driving. This is an opportunity for new collaborations between Milwaukee's artistic community and the city government. In order to solve challenges like the dangers of reckless driving, we need to deploy innovative solutions from a variety of perspectives, including Milwaukee's arts community the program residency will take place over a minimum of one year beginning with a three-month research phase where the artist will shadow city staff and learn about operations and initiatives after the research phase the artist will spend three months prototyping and field testing their project followed by a five-month implementation and evaluation period etc etc so one of the things that's missing from the press release is how much they are going to pay this artist to come in and work on the reckless driving situation. Okay, our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, don't get me wrong. I appreciate that reckless driving is a problem. I do not, for the life of me, understand, however, how hiring an artist at whatever they're going to pay the artist. I mean, I don't know if it's 25000 or 40000 or 60000 or 80000 The press release doesn't say what they're going to pay the artist. But how in the world is an artist going to help solve and in any way reduce the reckless driving program in the city? What are we going to do? Paint billboards that say don't steal cars and don't speed through intersections? Are, I don't know, are we going to put up like murals that the artist designs and, and put them up on, I don't know, bus shelters and things of the like saying no reckless driving? I, I, I'm willing to bet that you could hire Michelangelo and Michelangelo, I don't know, he could be painting whatever he's going to be painting. My guess is it's not going to do much, if anything, to stop reckless driving. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I'm all for innovation, but but doesn't somebody have to say, look, we're, we're spitballing ideas. That's great. you know. And, and I understand we want to support the arts community and things like that, but what in the world do we expect an artist to do to stop the reckless driving program. 855-616-1620. And how much is this going to cost? 
I, I'm sorry. This stuff just makes my head explode. And I, I'm not anti-art. I'm, I, I'm not. Well, one of my dear friends runs the Florentine Opera. I, I, I appreciate how you need a vibrant arts community. At the same time, and I appreciate that stopping reckless driving is a big deal. We talk a lot about this on this program. But Milwaukee is now going to hire an artist in residence Pay them, we have no idea how much, the, the press release doesn't say, to work on reckless driving. Give me a break. What, what is it? And there, there's, no, there, there's no even specific idea as to what it's going to be. Well, first, we'll, we'll let them work with the problem with the DPW for a few months, and then we'll let them come up with some ideas. Before you spend this money... Shouldn't you have a concrete idea of what somebody's going to do? Now, if we were saying more cops, I'm all in favor of it. I get it. If we were talking about more roundabouts, I I get it. Explain to me what Michelangelo is going to do to stop reckless driving in the city of Milwaukee. Oh, we're going to paint a giant, uh, we'll put put a giant uh, mural up on some building. So, I don't know what it says to people. Don't steal cars. Don't drive 80 miles an hour. 855-616-1620. John on the north side. John, you're on WTMJ. Hey, buddy. How you doing, man? I'm good. Okay. They're deliberately deliberately doing everything to keep these cars speeding. I mean, like you said before, get that money to the police department. Hire more police. That ain't going to do nothing. Man, I drive in the streets every day. My daughters drive. My wife drives. And these guys are going 90 miles an hour. You got some guys sitting back talking about, well, uh, let us do this or do that. No, that ain't going to work. Ain't none of that stuff going to work. No, why would they? You know, uh, the only thing going to work, only thing going to work is if you give more money to the police department, get these unregistered cars off the street. Yep. And that's all you got. Exactly. Th- thanks for right. Let, let's let's attack it head on. What what's what is the problem? Okay, you've got people stealing cars. You've got people driving unregistered cars. You've got people driving ninety miles an hour. You've got people fleeing from the cops. You've got people running red lights, driving like just crazy people. All right. Well, well, what what's the answer? Let's see. Okay, we we can redesign roadways to make it more difficult to get up to speed. Okay, I get that. Maybe we hire more cops. We get more aggressive with towing the cars. I'm all in favor of that. And what is the city of Milwaukee say we're going to hire an artist to come up with some conceptual idea. It's not even like somebody went to them and said, hey, I've got this great proposal. You know, I've got this idea and I've got this magic bullet and figuratively speaking and I'm, i've got this giant mural and we're going to put this giant mural up here and it's going to you know have people look at it and then they're going to want to sing kumbaya and they're going to stop blowing through those red lights it is not even that kind of proposal it's okay we're going to hire somebody and then we'll kind of like kick around these ideas at some point in time it, I, look i'm open to these various ideas but when you're sitting there talking about spending taxpayer dollars doesn't somebody have an obligation to stand up and say this is dumb I mean, at some point in time, doesn't somebody in the meeting say, look, I appreciate the idea, thanks, but let, let's talk about stuff that's really going to make a difference. Instead of, I'm sure the attitude is, well, we can't say no, that's dumb, because then somebody in the arts community will be offended. Don't you appreciate the value of art? I get art. That's not the issue. What we're talking about is this is supposed to design to for reckless driving. I mean, all right, what, what's going to happen? Oh, well, let's we we've got Monet. Monet has come back to life. He does all these these wonderful scapes, seascapes, artscapes. We're going to bring him to Milwaukee, and we're going to have him paint this stuff. And it's going to be sequel, uh, serene, tranquil, all this sort of stuff. It has nothing to do with reckless driving. Matt, Matt, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. So, is it just buildings, or can we paint on the roads too? Because the only way this makes sense 
is if we paint like those illusions, like there's a cliff on the road, <laughs> and then everybody slows down because they're not sure they're going to go over the cliff or not. But that's that's. I mean, if we're going to paint Milwaukee, you got to include the roads if, if this makes any sense. I well, I think I, yeah, that I don't know. Thanks, I don't. I think anything's on the table. I mean, I I, I because and that's the other thing. It's not like I was saying. It's not like somebody came with an idea. It's not like somebody is there saying, "Hey." I believe if we paint cliffs on all these different streets, it will cause people to show down, slow down because they think they're going over a cliff. They, they even haven't presented that. They have no idea what they want to do. And again, I do think it's sort of interesting that at least in the press release that the Department of City Development put out, there's no mention at all as to how much they are going to pay this artist in, in residence to train and then come up with this idea. It is just, it is a classic example of government's approach to, um, problems period um jeff i have a feeling that somebody went to um, art school who couldn't find a job and then they knew somebody and they talked them into this type of thing yeah maybe 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 that's a possibility on this um jeff is this this idea from the same person who thinks that lowering the speed limit by five miles an hour will stop crazy driving well i think that's um point uh, no question about that jeff an, an artist and to think i thought that lowering the speed limit by five miles an hour was, was the dumbest possible idea sorry i'm rethinking this jeff maybe the new artist can create a better sculptor than the mangled orange thing that's in o'donnell park well that's it i mean i guess if you want to design like some giant sculpture that you're going to put in the middle of some street or something that would slow traffic down okay well that might have the effect in that particular area but before you go and spend money on this and hire somebody, shouldn't there be an idea? Jeff, this just gives me a migraine that it's even a possibility for all the people in the city of Milwaukee who say we need more money to feed and house the needy, improve the schools, and help with crime, and the artist idea to help reckless driving is an option? Where is the common sense in this world? Jeff, this is just dumb. <laughs> I can't say it any better. Back with more in just a minute. The candidates are set, and the race to challenge Governor Tony Evers is on. Join us this Sunday night at 6 for the Republican gubernatorial debate, moderated by TMJ4 News' Charles Benson and Shannon Sims. Hear from Tim Michaels, Rebecca Clayfish, and Tim Rantham. That's this Sunday night at 6 on News Radio WTMJ. As I mentioned, um, I've... Uh, Rebecca Clayfish is scheduled to come on the program. Uh, she's going to be in studio Monday from 2 to 3. As I've said before, I typically do not do interviews, newsmaker interviews, um, because, well, just for a variety of reasons. But I, I am making an exception. I offered uh, Rebecca an hour of time. I've also extended the same offer to the Tim Michaels campaign. Don't have a date locked in from them or whether they're interested. But Rebecca Clayfish will be joining me at during the 2 o'clock hour on Monday. And if Tim Michaels is interested in coming on sometime next week, um, we'll, we'll do that. We've got to do it next week because I'm, I'm gone on our listener trip to Alaska from like the second until the 10th and so i've got to go out and early vote as well in that all right let us go where angels fear to tread tonight is the final at least final for now sort of like the bands that have like the farewell tours and then two years later they're they're back again tonight is scheduled to be the final hearing of the january 6th committee which has been looking into the events leading up to the disruption, riot, insurrection, 
unrest, whatever you want to call it, at the Capitol on January 6th. Now, hear me out on this, because I will give you my take, and I understand it is going to be unpopular with people on both sides of the issue. I I have watched not every minute of the hearings, but I paid attention to them. And I guess I look at these, and, and my underlying question is just right now, at the end of them, just as it was at the beginning, what what have we really uncovered? For example, uh, most of most of the evidence, quote unquote evidence that has come out, while it's been dramatic and things like that, ha- has been covered and had been reported. I mean, if you read the books at the end of the Trump administration, we we know a number of things. We know, for example, that Donald Trump did not accept the results of the November of 2020 election. We know that Donald Trump became increasingly isolated in his own bunker, surrounding himself with uh, various various attorneys or wannabe attorneys or wannabe kingmakers who came up with one cockamamie scheme after another to try to keep him in power. And we know that Trump and this did you get this from the January 6th hearings? Yes. But you also got it from the numerous books that have been written about this. This is not new ground that Trump surrounded himself with a bunch of kooks and he embraced one oddball kooky theory after another in an effort to retain power. He's still embracing one oddball kooky theory after another in an effort to say the election was stolen and he should be returned to office. All, all this stuff isn't going to happen. We know that uh, Trump, we, we, we all heard that speech he gave on January 6th. You know, we, we heard what he said to the, the group of supporters that were out there and whether it incited violence you know, people can decide that for themselves, but we understand also that Trump did nothing to discourage what ended up having it happening at the Capitol. And we also understand and know that Trump kind of sat on his hands while that stuff was going on that afternoon at the Capitol, despite the fact that many, many people were reaching out and saying, Mr. President, you have to do something. And, and he didn't. So we, we know all that. That's ground, and again, I understand it's been presented in a very dramatic sort of form, kind of this made-for-television sort of approach, but have we learned anything new that we didn't know before the commencement of these hearings? And my answer would be, well, not not really. The, the factual, have, have you filled out a little bit of flesh on the skeleton? Well, well maybe, but There's no new ground that's ultimately happened. Trump refused to acknowledge he lost. Trump lost the election. Trump tried to maintain power. And Trump, to the extent he had the ability to discourage people from engaging in what happened at the Capitol, he really didn't do that. Okay, that's all well and good. He was impeached for that. And ultimately, he wasn't convicted. So th- those, I-, I think, are are the facts. It does not portray Donald Trump in a very, very po- in a positive light at all. I-, I think to the extent there are people out there who are kind of on the fence about Donald Trump, you you hear this kind of stuff, and I think a lot of people have decided he he's just. Whether you thought he was a good president or a bad president, his conduct after the election makes him somebody that there's no way you could possibly support moving forward. That's all fair sort of commentary. Beyond that, though, just reinforcing 
in large measure what we already knew, what had been reported widely. And yes, and I, I understand that some of the people who testified, you know, they hadn't given interviews before that. But did they really say anything new in a material sort of way? That, that moves the needle or changes anything. And I guess I'd look at this and say, are we, are we any, have we, what have we learned from this? And, and it's fine to go ahead and do it, but has it moved the needle at all? I mean, the people that hate Donald Trump still hate Donald Trump. The people who believe in Donald Trump still believe in Donald Trump. And then there's a lot of other people who I think probably realize that the Trump went over the edge after the election and probably would never vote for him again. But beyond that, have we really accomplished anything with these hearings? And if so, what would that be? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's discuss. See, I, I know I irritate people on both sides of, of the aisle when I say this. I am not a defender of Donald Trump. I mean, I, I thought he did some good things during the presidency, but I think he is emotionally unfit to to be the leader of the free world. And I think his behavior after he lost the election demonstrates that. So I, I want Donald Trump to just go away. That, that That's where I am uh, in this particular situation. But at the same time, th- these January 6th hearings, this isn't going to be the Watergate hearings. The Watergate hearings uncovered all sorts of information that led to the impeachment of a, a president and his removal from office. What, what What's going on? What have we learned when it comes to Donald Trump? And what is the end game here? Now, some I've got a text here saying, well, okay, what the this might be is it's building public support for the Justice Department to put him in jail. He needs to be prosecuted. Well, all right, I would argue as a former federal prosecutor that, that if that's the motive, it is an inappropriate sort of motive. I mean, that it's not the business of the Democrats that run the House of Representatives to try to build public support for a criminal prosecution. That That's the job of the Department of Justice to look at the evidence and put matters in front of a grand jury and determine whether or not they think there was a crime that was committed. If the whole purpose of this is to try to convince I don't know the Justice Department to bring charges. I, I would argue it's a th- that's a huge misuse uh, of time. Jeff, in my opinion, these hearings set a horrible precedent moving forward. Now, whenever you get a majority from one political party and they want to face a political opponent, you'll get more hearings. It's free advertising and mudslinging before the campaign starts. That's all. No one's opinions have changed. Well, I don't know. I think it's fair that no one's opinions have changed. I think it's helped cement certain opinions that, that are out there, and and clearly it does not portray the former president in, in a very good light. And Maybe some people who might have otherwise been on the fence, you know, they hear some of this stuff or or to, to my point, maybe for people who haven't, you know, followed the news coverage and haven't read a number of the books about th- this stuff. You know, maybe it, it helps them crystallize their opinions. But like I say, I, I mean, I'm with with the exception of minor sort of details I, I'm not seeing anything new that comes out of, of these hearings. We, we know what Trump did he went he was impeached because of it not ultimately convicted but he was 
impeached because of it. Jeff, I think it's another way that our government has found to waste money and time instead of concentrating on things that really matter. Jeff, what a complete and total waste of time and money. Who really cares? Presenting one side of the story is not the entire story. Maybe we should go back and investigate the Civil War. Well, I I don't know. In in this case, I, I don't know that there's another side of the story. I'm just not sure that they've really brought anything out that wasn't known or publicly available. Now, I understand it's more dramatic when, you know, you, you call, you know, the aide to, you know, Mark Meadows, and she gives what I thought was very compelling testimony about, you know, how the, the president sat on the sidelines, for example, you know, while the mob was getting ready to head for the, for the Capitol or whatever. I, I found that to be, you know, compelling, but th- does it, does it change the dialogue in any sort of meaningful fashion? We knew, I remember, I sat in this very chair speaking into this very microphone when the, the Capitol insurrection or riot, you could call it whatever you want, what was going on, and I remember having this conversation with you at the time saying, where is the president of the United States? He needs to be you know, going on TV right now, and he needs to be telling his supporters to knock it off and to leave the Capitol. I mean, so this, we, we, know, we know that he didn't do any of that. So does it really matter the fact that if he was, like, smiling when people were doing that? Does it really matter? Have we gotten any new ground on that? And my answer would be essentially... You know, no. Um, Jeff, this is a good topic for me. It hasn't moved the needle on Trump. I do, however, feel like it gave a good summary versus just the bits and pieces of information that it um, that it has. And maybe it will move the needle for those who continue to support him or seek his endorsements. Um, Yeah. Jeff, I think are the hearings not a coffin nail for Trump not getting reelected? Well, I, I maybe. You know, maybe. And, and by the way, that that's not going to give me any heartburn if, if that ends up what happening, because, again, as I've said before, I think Donald Trump needs to go away. And I think he needs to. I think that the the only thing from a conservative, from a Republican perspective, the only thing that's out there that might screw up the 2022 midterms right now is if Trump announces he's running for president and the 2022 midterms again become another referendum on him versus a referendum on the lousy state of the the country's economy or something like that. But but if if that's the purpose, oh, we we want to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't run again. Is that a legitimate purpose for a congressional hearing. We we want to make sure that he doesn't run again. We're trying to kill him, you know, <clears throat> politically. Um, I don't know. Um, Jeff, I would prefer DeSantis myself, but I don't want to hear anybody complaining about Republicans wasting money after the Mueller report. What was he doing for two years? Well, I think that's a good point. Jeff, I believe the people who think the election was stolen need to see this. Okay, so... M- I guess my point is, all right, is for the, the people that are dug it, Donald Trump is a very, very polarizing pig figure in American politics, just like Hillary Clinton is a polarizing figure, just like Joe Biden is a polarizing figure. So I guess my, my question, and it's somewhat a rhetorical one, would be for the, the people who believe that the election w- was stolen and believe Trump walks on water, has any of this changed anything? And I guess my answer would be I, I don't think so. Jeff, I think the hearings have been valuable because they show what a terrible president Donald Trump was and how unqualified he is to be a future president. 
Okay, I don't think they show what a terrible president he was. I think they show, if you want to make the argument, what a terrible person he, he was because, you know, his behavior after November 6th was just ab- after the, the elections, November 2nd, I guess, was, was absolutely uh, appalling. But that's, again, that's not new. And is, is that the purpose of having lengthy primetime congressional hearings? We want to show what a horrible person President Trump was. I mean, you, you had Congress that acted. Congress acted when they impeached him. And then you had the trial in the Senate. And it was based on this conduct. So we're really just kind of replowing this ground for overtly political purposes. And I guess that's why I, I look at this, and I understand when you read the mainstream media, and everybody's out there and they're talking about, oh, so that this is great for democracy and things like that. And again, my point is, are, are we setting a bad precedent? Because did we really discover anything that we didn't know when these things started? Now, I, again, I, I appreciate the way it's been presented. It's been presented sort of like in the, the Netflix, like making of a murderer sort of series. You've got a narrative. We're going to advance the narrative. We're going to use selective stuff. We're going to present it in sound bites and things like that to try to get attention. Okay, that that's well and good that they did that. I think they did that in a compelling fashion. Secondly, they demonstrated that Donald Trump's behavior, in my opinion, was abhorrent after the, the election. And surrounding yourself with the Rudy Giuliani's and the Sidney Powell's and those people of the world in an effort to try to retain power was appalling. But we knew that. We, we knew from the attorney general, we knew from his book that, you know, he, he was one of the ones going into President Trump and saying, look, you know, you're surrounding yourself with kooks here. You know, you can't do this. You can't do that. So. Yeah, they testified to that, but they wrote books about it as well. So the the January 6th hearings, the final one is scheduled for tonight. And I guess the understanding is it's going to talk about, you know, what Trump did during the, the three hours that you had the unrest, riot, insurrection, whatever word you want to use going on. But what, what's it going to say? He He watched it. He probably smiled. He probably applauded some of it. Oh, okay. We know all that. What new ground are we going to cover and what has been the purpose? And have we set a bad precedent that now when you have another party in power, is this going to be it? We're going to investigate what this person did. And by the way, I think you can make the argument about the Benghazi, Benghazi hearings. You know, did the Republicans go too far with that? That is a fair commentary. But at the end of the day, Don't we want our elected representatives, Republicans or Democrats, to concentrate on the stuff that's really important to us, like, you know, figuring out how do you get gas prices down and why does bacon cost so much? And, you know, where where are we going to get energy to keep our houses warm during the uh, winter? Just saying. So very glad to have you with us. And, and by the way, I'm getting some texts from people who are saying, well, you're saying this is important that the president led an insurrection and he he was responsible for trying. This was essentially a coup. O- OK, my point is, if that's the case, if you believe he's committed crimes, that's not the purpose of what these hearings are for. That is the purpose of an investigation that is conducted by the Justice Department. And, and if the attorney general of the United States believes that he has evidence to convict Donald Trump of various crimes. Well, that, that's that's all well and good. What you do is you present that evidence to the grand jury. The grand jury returns indictments, and then you have you have a trial. That that's and and look, maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. I I don't know. And if it does, <clears throat> then we can talk about it at the time. My only point is, 
I challenge people to, in a material way, show me things that came out as a result of months and months of hearings now and all these investigations that fundamentally we did not know before all this started. And if we really haven't plowed any new grounds, is this political, an effort to damage and destroy Donald Trump's political career, which, by the way, is fine with me. Like I say, I want him to go away. Fine with me. But is that really the purpose? And is that the purpose? And should that be the purpose of these hearings? History will decide. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. It is interesting how dependent we become on computers because my Internet keeps crashing. We're going to have to figure out how we can do something. Maybe reboot it or something, but uh, it's really, you know, you get used, so used to that. Hey, you're doing a radio show. Why do you need the Internet? Well, you kind of look for this stuff, and when it just kind of keeps crashing here. All right. Google Chrome is not responding. Eh, let's close the program. Okay. We're going to notify Microsoft. No, I don't care about notifying Microsoft. I just want the thing to work. Um, all right. I want to revisit something that we spoke about a, a couple days ago because there there is a follow-up that is, that is out there. Um, there. There's a place in Philadelphia called Sesame Place, which is... It's it's a theme park built around Sesame Street. I didn't know that existed, but but it does. And just like the theme parks in uh, Disney World or Disneyland or some of the other places that they have, you you go there. They got water slides, they got rides, and they have a number of the Sesame Street characters that walk around, you know, and interact with people. And just like at Disney World and Disneyland, apparently a couple times a day they have a parade, and people line up on both sides of the street, and the characters kind of come down. If you haven't seen this yet, and it's gone viral, I, I've got a link to the story up on my Twitter account. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. And, and what happens the other day is there's, I, I think the woman is there with her little kids. The kids look like they're, well, I, I would say three and five. I'm bad with ages, but, but they're, they're toddlers and they're both wearing backpacks and stuff and they're all very excited to be there. And what happened is, they're there for the parade, and there's one of the the Disney, one of the Sesame Street characters, um, Rosita, which is they're Muppets, Muppet Muppets, and the the character is walking down the street, and the little kids are are out there, and they're standing in the street, and they're waving, and they're trying to get the attention of the character, and the character, you can see him on the little slice of video that's there, he. The, I think it's a guy that's in the costume, like high fives a kid a little bit down the way. Then he, he's like waving with like a no sign because apparently he's waving his hand as if no. And it's directed to someone else in the crowd who's apparently wants him to stop and, and hold the the person's child. And I guess that's against the rules. And you can see in the video that he walks past the, these two little girls um, and, and doesn't interact with them at all. The The mom is hacked off at this because the kids are devastated. They were waiting to have Rosita come in here, and and Rosita is, and and then this character has just walked past them. Now, the two kids are black. So mom, and we talked about this the other day, immediately plays the race card. Oh, this is terrible. You know, they they were, you know, discriminating against my kids. They they just walked past them because they, they were black. 
Well, all right, the, the response that Sesame Place, Place comes out and says, look, we're, we're terrible. We're terribly sorry that this happened. And the, the, carry, the person who was in the suit, and again, you know, maybe, maybe I should give a spoiler alert here, but it, it's not a real, like, it's not a real Muppet. There, there's somebody in the suit. And what they say is, they say, if you've ever walked in one of these suits, that your, your vision is very, very compromised. If you've ever had one of these things on, and a lot of times you, you can't see anything really kind of below eye level. And that's why a lot of times when you see these characters that are out there, they end up, they have, um, they have handlers and stuff who help, like, guide them around. So anyhow, Sesame Place says, look, there's not racism involved in this. We're, we're, we feel terrible uh, about this, this thing. And, you know, we invite you to bring the family back and we'll try to make it good to them. But this was just, it was an honest mistake that the, the character just didn't see the kids. So that, that's what they say. Mom refuses to accept this. And this has gone viral and you've got a number of celebrities who've weighed in talking about how this is devastating and this is so awful. Um, now the next step uh, in this is that mom, um, her name is Jody Brown. She's now hired an attorney. They are investigating practices at Sesame Place in Philadelphia, and they are calling for the firing of the performer who allegedly rebuffed the, the girls. Um, all right. They're, they're calling for this person to, to be fired. Now, they don't, I don't think, even know who that person is. They don't know if there's any history that the person in this character suit has ever displayed racist tendencies or anything like that. I, I don't even know what the race of is of the person that was in this particular thing. Sesame Place says, hey, we feel sorry about this. The, the character just it wasn't racial at all. They were just walking on the street, and they didn't notice the kids. And if they bypassed them, they, they ended up making a mistake. But now mom, through an attorney, threatening a lawsuit, is demanding that the person in the suit be fired. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Should the character be fired? Now, all we know right now is, yes, he, I assume it's a he, maybe it's a she, the person in that character suit walked past the kids. Is that, is that something that justifies firing? There's no evidence that they've done this before. There, there's no evidence that the person was discriminating against Hispanic kids or black kids. It's just they walk past the, the two little kids, and what Sesame Place says is, hey, we feel terrible. You just, you, you can't can't see out of these things, and we don't think the character saw these little kids, who admittedly were kind of in front of them, but because of the view. All right, do you fire the guy? Do you fire the performer who's in the suit for doing this? 855-616-1620. We discuss. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I just th- this is one of these stories that just it bothers me on a lot of different levels. It's entirely possible that the the person who's portraying the Sesame Street character may well be this evil racist who's wandering around ignoring little black children and trying to break their hearts. I, I doubt that's the case. Yes, I, I watched this character dressed up in a giant cookie monster. It's actually a Rosita costume, but you get the idea. Who who walks past these two little children, and I understand why they're disappointed, but th- now they're demanding, oh, they've got to be fired and this has to be racism. Well, my guess is, if you would look at a film of that parade, my guess is there's probably a 
lot of white children and Hispanic children, if there were Hispanic children out there, that the character walked by as well. And Sesame Place says, well, part of it is if you've ever been in one of these suits, you, you can't you can't see down low. The person who was portraying the character feels horrible about this, and yet mom has a lawyer. Mom is investigating the practices at Sesame Place. The lawyer is demanding that the person be fired. Come on, 855-616-1620. Pete, Pete, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, uh, like I told your, your uh, screener, very simple question. This guy that was walking down the street in the suit, did he bypass everybody else, every other kid in the parade? Did he stop and talk to him? Did he pat him on the head? Or did he just bypass those two people or those two kids where the woman's complaining about? Well, I think it's both. Very simple question. Well, I think it's both. I mean, I don't think he he didn't stop and talk to and interact with every kid. Um, it, there, there's some he bypassed. I think there, there's some he didn't. We only have about a 15-second clip of this. But he doesn't stop and interact with all, with every kid that's out there. Okay. That was just, that's the only question I have. Oh, okay. Thank no, thanks. I mean, I, I guess I don't. I, I mean, yes. If if there's evidence that okay, he just he walked by, he interacted with every child on the parade route. Where again, we're assuming it's a him, and then there all of a sudden there's the two black children. He walks past. Yeah, I guess maybe that's prima facie evidence. But nobody's suggesting that. What, what Sesame Place is saying is that they, you can't see all these things. First of all, you're also you're a character in a parade. Now think about if you've ever been to Disney World or Disneyland and though those parades that happen, you know, you have the characters they they've got to keep moving along and they interact with some of the kids that are along the parade route and, and they don't interact um with this as as well. Um eight five five six one six one six twenty. Again, I I suspect that there will be if if you go back and you look at clips, you will see times where he has probably bypassed Hispanic kids or black kids or white kids as well. But the assumption is this has to be racist because you're doing this. 855-616-1620. Let's see. Jeff, I think the woman needs to get a clue. Poor performer probably isn't getting rich being Rosita. Um, That's it, Jeff. The character person should not be fired in this particular case. Um, Jeff, what if Rosita didn't have the best eyesight? Well, I don't think it's the best eyesight. I I think it's a situation where you you just... You can't see out of the, these things, and, and you don't stop and interact with, with every child. Let's see. Jeff, I can't say with all certainty that the person under the costume is or isn't racist, but I do know people's hearts. However, I can tell you this with all certainty. I have been to Disney World many times. I've stood in parades and lines to see the character, and they have done the same thing to my children who are white. I don't think the situation is any different. The characters have to move on and keep going to reach as many children as possible along the route yeah i guess that's that's kind of my point now if look it may be it may be that if you conduct a thorough investigation you find that whoever it was that was in this particular suit was displaying these sort of racist tendencies okay so that's fine you see i want to invest i want to look at this person's performance record and what's going on but that's not what they're doing they're saying we want this person fired 
all because he walked past these two kids. Well, my guess is there's all sorts of kids, if you looked at that parade route, black, white, and Hispanic, that he probably walked past as he was in effort to keep this moving. If, if it's really racist behavior, of course you fire him. There, there's no question about it. But playing the race card without knowing more, I think, does a disservice. And I, I look, Sesame Place is doing the best it can to make this up to her. They say, look, we're, we're really sorry that this ended up happening. We're sorry you feel this way. And, and here, let's, you know, we'll, we'll bring the kids back and we'll, we'll give you a character interaction. I think that would have been the way to handle it. But that's not how mom handled it. Mom decides, okay, we're going to try to turn this into a cause celeb. We're going to hire a lawyer. We're going to put this up on Facebook. We're going to get all the celebrities to be appalled without maybe knowing what all the facts of this really were. Let's talk to Betty. Betty, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. What I heard early this morning on World News Now on ABC is that someone asked for a picture behind these kids and they don't get pictures with people and he was saying no now i did not hear this after that i didn't hear it on good morning america i didn't hear it on any other news and and i wondered why because that would make sense yeah if it and that my understanding of of this but if you watch the if you watch the video um the the Mm -hmm. the character as he's coming up to the kids, he, he's making like a, he, a hand gesture, which is kind of like, like, no, that's not directed at the kids. That's directed at somebody in the crowd. And you're exactly right, who apparently had wanted him to, him, I'm assuming it's a him, who wanted the character to stop and yeah. pose for a, hold the, hold his child so he could take a picture. And that's not allowed. So like and the. That makes a hundred, that makes. Sense. Right. So the, the waving off was to the person who wanted the picture. I, look, I think what happened here is the character's got to keep moving along. You don't have great vision. Mm-hmm. I think the character just didn't see the kids. Mm-hmm. I think that's what really happened at the end of the day. But now we're assuming, oh, this has got to be terrible, you know, and, and it's racism. And it's just yeah. snowball. Yeah, it is. No, th- thanks for, <laughs> right. no, no, thanks for the call, Betty. I mean, and, and, and look, the character might be, okay, but... But you need, don't you need more? But they're, they're calling for the, the the person to be fired, to to lose his job because you know he bypassed the, these kids. And look, and I look at the video, and I I feel bad for the kids. I understand if I had, you know, when my niece and nephew were were little or something like that, and we were there, and they're trying to get the attention of the character, and the character walks by him, I, I would have been disappointed. Maybe I would have even been a, a tad hacked off. But this idea that oh it, it has to be because of of race it can't be because the guy was the character was in a hurry it can't be because these were little kids who were below his sight of vision it can't be because he was distracted because he was trying to deal with the person who was again asking him to pose for a picture with the daughter it it has to be because they're racist well why doesn't it have, have why does it have to be like that isn't the more likely explanation that it, it was one of these other factors that came in, but yet we, you know, we we go nuclear on this whole thing. Vicky and Eagle, Vicky, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. I don't think Rosita should be fired. You know, this is totally an assumption, and um, I don't think you fire somebody over that. And like. You, Everyone's saying it could be something different, like someone behind those kids might have been why that motion was being made. You know, I almost, it's a time when I wish they'd 
take the suit off the guy and find out he's black. Yeah, yeah. You know, really, I... I, I, and I don't know. Thanks. I'm sorry, right. that probably doesn't sound nice, but well, well, no, you know, you, but we don't um, know that. I these mean, little kids, yeah, these little kids are being taught to perpetuate a problem that's that's already existing with these actions, these this extreme response. Well, right, and thanks and, for that. And this um, assumption. No, thanks yeah. for the call, Vic. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm kind of against the clock, but yeah, the right that I. It may very well be that this that the person in this in this Rosita suit is is a raving racist who has been discriminating against you know minority groups for years. And if that's the case, yeah, fire him. I have no problem with that. But we don't have any basis for that at this point in time. Jeff, I had a friend who was a character at Disney. He said you couldn't see anything. You waved your hands and relied on a handler to make sure that you didn't um you know walk into anything that that's that's the that i think is the the situation there um Jeff, hiring a lawyer for this cause is further proof that the world in 2022 is a complete and total dumpster fire. Jeff, I have an easy solution. Have mom put on the costume and see how well she can see the little kids. If she can't, she must agree that there was no racist intent that it's here. Um, you know, I, I, I told this story the other day. I have, I have never been in one of those character suits, but I had an opportunity once a couple of years ago. I won't even go into how this was. I had an opportunity to put on one of the racing sausage suits. I don't even remember which it was, but they're, okay. First of all, they're very top heavy. Secondly, your, your sight, I didn't walk around a lot in it, but your sight is very limited. You've got this narrow thing. You can pretty much see straight ahead and, and that's it. And, all I'm saying is I understand you look at the video, it looks bad, it looks like the person is ignoring these kids, but my guess is the truth is really a little bit more complicated. But before you call on the person to be fired, don't you have to have at least more evidence than we have now? Just asking. Jeff, a friend of mine was a racing sausage at Miller Park. He told me you can't see anything in front of you in the sausage costume. Jeff, I've walked in parades with um, a costume on. I've missed seeing people along the route. Acquaintances would say, I saw you and waved, but you didn't see me. Nothing to see here whatsoever. My favorite text of the day, who, who is Rosita? All right, for those of you who do not know, I'll, I'll bring you up on your Sesame Street. Rosita is, it's giant green Muppet, and she is a character on Sesame Street who is like their their first uh, Mexican-American character. Um, so, you know, Rosita is a popular sort of character, and I know these kids feel traumatized. I'm sure that the Rosita in character in the parade bypassed them. I'm just saying, before we call for that person to be fired for doing this, we need to have a lot more information. So, very glad to have you with us. Are you looking for your next great career? This Sunday morning at 6, tune into Hired, the Good Karma Brands recruitment show. Hmm. We'll showcase the best positions available within our company and other companies around southeast Wisconsin. This week, we feature two great area restaurants, Fox and & Hounds and The Mineshaft. It's Hired, the GKB recruitment show, this Saturday morning at 6. You know, I always tell people, if you're interested in the radio industry and you get a chance to work for Good Karma Broadcasting, I say this sincerely, do it. It's, it is, I don't have to say this, but it's a good company. It's not a good company. It's a great company to work for. And so, all right, Dave Chappelle. Know who J- Dave Chappelle is? He is a black comedian who 
is very, very successful and very, very popular. He is also controversial, I guess. He's controversial because of his opinions with regard to transgender people. Um, the, the controversy came to a head uh, last year when he did a special that was going to be released on, on Netflix. And in this special, he he made jokes uh, about transgender people. You know, he, he actually had the audacity as a comedian to make jokes about transgender people. Now, you, you can make jokes about you know all sorts of other people, but I guess you can't make jokes about transgender people. He then went on to say... And I'm quoting now, gender is a fact. Every human being in this room, every human being on Earth, had to pass through the legs of a woman to be on Earth. Um, and so he, he says, look, there there are men and there are women, you know, period. That That's it. So he, he made several jokes. And as a result of this, it caused this huge controversy. You had some people at, at Netflix who walked out or threatened to quit or got very upset unless you pull the special. And at the end of the day, Netflix decided that they were going to allow the special to go on. And people can make a decision as to whether they are offended and whether they want to watch the, the program or not. Well, all right, so what happens this week is Dave Chappelle announces that he is going to do a, he was booked to do, I think, uh, two comedy shows, stand-up comedy shows on Thursday and Friday in Minneapolis. He announces earlier this week that he's going to do what they call a pop-up show on Wednesday. Just, they're going to add a show, and they're going to do it at a, a place called First Avenue. Now, he's doing the shows on Thursday and Friday were scheduled to be done at this place called the Varsity Theater in downtown Minneapolis. First Avenue is another entertainment venue. It, it's, it used to be like a Greyhound bus station in downtown Minneapolis, and now it's, it's, it's a performance venue. So they book Chappelle. He announces, hey, I'm going to do this show. It sells out in minutes. All right? It sells out in, in minutes. So obviously there is a demand to see him. Well, once the word gets out that he is going to be doing this show, immediately some people start a petition on change.org. And here's here's what the petition says. Dave Chappelle has a record of being dangerous to trans people. Dangerous to trans people. Now, let me just stop there. I'll finish what it says. But it's not like Dave Chappelle is going out and saying, we, we, we need to kill people who are transgender or anything like that. He has made some jokes arguably at the expense of transgender people, and he happens to believe that, you know, men are men and women are women. All right, you can disagree with him or agree with him, but, you know, the petition says he has a record of being dangerous to trans people, and First Avenue, that's the venue, has a duty to protect the community. The petition had over 120 signatures. Okay, 120 signatures. Um, So, in response... To this, the venue cancels Chappelle. The Dave Chappelle show for tonight at First Avenue has been canceled and is moving to the Varsity Theater. That's where he was booked for the other two shows. To staff, artists, and our community, we hear you and we are sorry. We know we must hold ourselves to the highest standards, and we know that we let you down. We are not just a black box with people in it, and we understand that First Avenue is not just a room, but meaningful beyond our walls. The First Avenue team 
and you have worked hard to make our venue the safest space in the, one of the safest spaces in the country, and we will continue with that mission. We believe in diverse voices and the freedom of artistic expression, but in honoring that, we lost sight of the impact this would have. We know there are some who will not agree with this decision. You are welcome to send feedback, um, etc. So they cancel the guy. They say you're not going to be able to perform in this theater because you made some jokes about transgender people. But yet the theater says, we believe in diverse voices and the freedom of artistic expression, to which I say, BS, you, you don't believe in that. And this is where we have come with the cancel culture and the woke culture to the point that actually, if you want to play the race card, you've got a black comedian who is now being told that he can't do his comedy in this particular you know, venue. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I guess on the one hand, you can say, okay, venues can book whoever they want, and, and that's fine. But this venue booked him, and they have decided to cancel him he cannot perform there because you've got a certain group of people who feel we don't like the fact that he told transgender jokes and we feel threatened or whatever. Well, okay, my response would be don't buy a ticket, don't go. If if you don't like what you hear, fine, I respect that, Don't don't go. But, you know, where do we draw the line here? If you, for example, have somebody who is pro-life, for example, who has a position contrary to some of the, I don't know, some of the people who are, you know, the, the militantly pro-choice, our bodies, our choice. Are we going to not book those people? All right, what about the performers that are out there, you know, saying, how dare anybody say that, you know, I don't have a right to do whatever I want with my body? And and do we, do we say to them, well, no, you're going to offend some people, so no, you're going to get canceled. Where do we draw the line? This venue, in my opinion, was so completely and totally wrong, it is staggering. If you don't like what he says, go with God. That's okay. Don't buy a ticket and don't go. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? 855-616-1620. Jeff, First Avenue, which was made famous in the movie Purple Rain with Prince, has always been a venue for open expression. Prince and all the other artists that perform there are either rolling over in their graves or rolling their eyes. Yes, because now... Dave Chappelle is not welcome to perform there because a handful of people are offended that he has made transgender jokes. Oh, okay, he made a handful of those, and he refuses to apologize, and he refuses to throw himself on the sword of political correctness. So this is so controversial that, no, we can't even allow you to come in and, and do your act here. Shame on them. I mean, yeah, it's a business, and they can decide what they want. But, again, where where do we draw the line? I go back to this. All right, should we say, hey, people are offended by people who are very pro-life or offended by the, the very, very pro-choice, pro-abortion, whatever you want to call it, message. So you're offended, so we shouldn't let, like, a Halsey perform in there if she's going to go off on a riff about how she's pro-abortion. If you don't like the content of it, fine, don't go. But do we cancel these places because some people just can't even stand in theory, oh, I can't believe that he is going to be there. And in this case, like I say, they, they just moved the concert. It's not like you defeated him. He moved the concert to another venue, the, the show to another venue. But this, So what does the venue even accomplish other than, again, th- this whole idea of here we're, we're trying to make ourselves look good. We're gonna, it's going to be virtue signaling. He's not going to be here, but he's going to be down the street. 855-616-1620. Chris in Cedarburg. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hey, 
Um, you know, I've never, you know, like the Three Stooges or I've liked George Carlin or, you know, some of the other comedians out there. That's the whole point of this is humor and jokes. And it is poking fun at certain people um, or things. So, you know, it's it's your choice. If you don't like it, don't watch it or don't buy a ticket. Yeah, exactly. But but I guess in some parts of the woke community, it, we're, people are so threatened by this that, no, we, we can't even allow this person to perform that. And, and we get to be the ultimate arbitrator of, of what's funny and what crosses the line and, and what doesn't. And, and sooner or later, you know, if somebody goes to too much They're extremes. Fragile. Yeah, exactly. Yes, they're fragile. That, that's, they're fragile. That, that's ex- fragile people. Yeah, no, that's th- 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 thanks for the call. And they, you can't, it's the idea that how dare somebody, how dare somebody might even suggest, you know, th- these type of notes. And I, look, I take no position again on Dave Chappelle's act. I, I, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um, I, I know some people think he's hilarious. Some people less so. I, I take no position on that, but I think it's scary that, you know, we're now at this position where we are going to let in this case, mainstream comedians be canceled because of, you know, certain groups who are offended. And even within that group, my guess is there's lots of transgender people who don't have any sort of problem with this at all and, and who maybe feel comfortable, okay, well, maybe there's some excesses to this group or that group or whatever. I, you know, if, if you can't, but the idea that, you know, th- these words are so very, very powerful. Jeff, from Don Rickles to George Carlin, Richard Pryor, great example there, Robin Williams and beyond, comedians have ha- found success in offending people. Dave Chappelle is no different. Entertainment is optional. No one is forced to watch anything. And when entertainers are canceled for offending people, the world becomes increasingly scary. That's from Andy in Burlington. And Andy, you're exactly right. I was watching an interview the other day with uh, John Cleese from Monty Python, and he was talking about the really sad state of comedy today. And he was going, look, you know, we could have you know, we, we did all sorts of stuff which were uh, offensive to this person or that person or, or whatever. And, and we did it because we, we thought we were funny and lots of people agreed with us. But now if you've got to censor yourself, you have to say, okay, well, can I tell this joke because there might be one or two people in this particular room who are going to have their feelings hurt or whatever. But again, the, the larger point here is by canceling him or by trying to cancel him, all they ended up doing, he, he, he moved over to another venue. So it's complete and total virtue signaling. The people at this First Avenue place get to say, oh, we're so politically correct and we're so woke and, and this is all wonderful. But they've ended up accomplishing nothing. Now, somebody texts me and says, well, might have been a smart business decision because maybe a lot of the people who were patronizing that place would never go back. No, it's a stupid business decision because my guess is his concert, once they moved it, it the concert was still sold out. They just moved over to the Varsity Theater and there's probably a lot more people who are saying, you know, that this is, despite what they say, I love the line, we believe in diverse voices and the freedom of artistic expression. No, they don't. They demonstrated that they don't believe in diverse voices and they don't believe in the freedom of artistic expression. They, they demonstrated that by canceling this guy. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to uh, David in Chicago. David, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Great show as usual. Thank you. Um, I am literally on my way to our opening night. I'm an actor 
I'm on my way to opening night for Fences by August Wilson uh, out at Harper College in Palatine. Is this is insanity? Can you imagine if this type of step political correctness cancel think existed in the six when August Wilson wrote Fences? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people not be familiar with August Wilson, but it's a Pulitzer Prize winning play. It's very controversial mm-hmm. because. Uh, you know, he was talking about this relationship about a black man, and uh, he uh, how he's uh, struggling against racism in the yeah. U.S. I cannot imagine what what artists would be snuffed out. Forgive my that term artistically. If this type of these type of decisions occurred yeah. during that period, this has got to be an end. Yeah, no, thanks for calling, David. I'm sorry, your cell phone keeps cutting out a little bit. But right, that, that, that look, and it's the, the interesting, th- I mean, there's many interesting aspects of the story to me, but I mean, typically, you, you get this from, you, you, it's the liberals that are outraged because you've got people on the right, the book banners. We, we don't think you can, you know, have this content there. You know, how dare, to your point, how, how dare you talk about like an interracial, you know, relationship? How, how dare you, you know, how people, again, it would be you, the conservative thing. We, we've got to get rid of these books. These are inappropriate, et cetera, et cetera. This is that liberal version of this. We, we can't, how dare anybody could think this was funny? How dare anybody believe that this is going to be comedy? How dare we do, do anything that might put, what was the phrase one of our texters used, a, a marginalized group? It, it's just, it's nothing but bullying. How, how dare you let Dave Chappelle tell this particular joke? Well, all right, if, if, more, if people agree with that, that this is terrible and it crosses the line, people will not buy tickets, people will not watch the Netflix special, and it will all work itself out. But at the same time, who gets to make those particular decisions? And as I started this this topic, it's why does the squeaky wheel always get the grease? I mean, when, when you have this change.org petition that says, oh, we, we think this guy is dangerous and it's it's terrible. I mean, it's, it's dangerous. It, it's just dangerous. Well, no, it, it's words. And and I understand that words can hurt, words can amuse, words can do all sorts of things. But but dangerous. I mean, you know, kind of give me a, a break here. Don't you have to deal with this stuff? You know, one of the other examples of cancel culture that's going on now is J.K. Rowling's, who, who wrote the Harry Potter books. She's in this huge fight. She has drawn the ire of the transgender community because. Um, she kind of like Dave Chappelle. I mean, she thinks, okay, men are men and women are women. And, and it's not, it's not so much the fact that you can't have women who are born in a male body and vice versa. It's that she's of the position that, for example, if, if you are born biologically a male, all right, you, you shouldn't be able to walk into, and you've got all the male body parts, you shouldn't be able to walk in and strip down and sit in a sauna, you know, at a, at a YMCA where there's, like, little girls around and stuff like that. Now, she, she's being ripped by the transgender community, and I'm simplifying it, but she she's to the point that now there's this effort to kind of ban, ban her. And she is an extremely liberal person. She's very, very left-wing, but she just doesn't buy into the whole transgender agenda. 
agenda. Again, I, I take no position on this one way or the other, but it's to this point that you can't even have a discussion about these issues without people saying, well, you, you've got to be canceled. Again, I, I don't care about this particular comedian, his show, but I think it is very, very unfortunate that a few people can complain, and then you have a facility that prides itself on promoting artistic expression, caves in. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, uh, the other day I was walking my dog in our neighborhood and I saw one of my friends who, one of my neighbors, who's also one of my friends, and she was going out to the to mailbox, and I, I, I went over to kind of, I started moving towards her to say hi, and she said, nope, don't don't get any closer, said I, um, said her husband, said her husband has COVID, and um, just just don't get closer, and she, she says, I think I've, I've got it as well. So it was fine. I said, okay, is there anything we can do? Can we bring you food, anything like that? And the, the you know, said, no, no, we're, we're fine, which is, is all well and good. So my wife followed up and was told, yeah, no, every, everything's fine. And, you know, we're, we're doing okay. But again, you, you want to be careful. I cannot tell you how many people I know over, I'd say, the last month or so who have come down with, with COVID. Now, the good news about this is that, and this is people, younger people, middle-aged people, older people. The good news about all this is I don't know anybody who has been what I'm going to describe as as very sick. I, I would say everybody I know that's come down with COVID, they have described the symptoms as yeah, kind of well, sort of like President Biden's symptoms, you know, like a dry cough, maybe a runny nose, maybe a little bit of a fever. No, I don't know anybody who, again, wide range of people who've been in a a life-threatening situation or situation where they have to go to the hospital or, or something like that. But I know a lot of people who've come down. And these the folks I know, we're not talking about unvaccinated folks. We're talking about people who are vaccinated and boosted and people who in many cases have had COVID before. And so now, now they have it again, but thankfully not very sick. And I assume that they will, you know, get better in the next couple of days. Now, the news from late last week is the City of Milwaukee Health Department is now advising residents to wear masks at public settings indoors. Um, the advisory is in effect for everybody older than two, regardless of vaccination status or prior infection. Early research indicates that BA. Five, now the country's dominant variant is seemingly more transmissible and more immunovating than other variants. The CDC's finding of high COVID-19 spread in Milwaukee County was based on 294 new cases per 100,000 people. Um, 3.4% of inpatient beds occupied by patients confirmed with COVID-19. So it, it's up, but at the same time, by any objective measure, it's nowhere near what it was during the, the height of the pandemic, um, even during most of the pandemic. So what we're starting to see is COVID is becoming, I think, I'm going to use the word endemic. That is, and it's a status status that I think a lot of us predicted it was going to be at some point in time, where it's always with us. You're, you're going to have all these different variants that that are out there and you you have okay there's a different variant now and just because you had it one time doesn't mean you're immune from this next variant and that's clearly for people who are 
immune compromised, it, that's clearly going to be an issue, and it's going to be an issue that's never, I guess, going to go away. Un- unfortunately, just because they like they've got all sorts of other concerns about uh, stuff. But for most people, I mean, COVID is now, I think, rather than a. I think it's as much of a nuisance as anything else, just like the flu would be for most people. And I understand there's exceptions, but for most people, it's going to be a nuisance. It's going to be an inconvenience. It's going to be like the flu. It's going to be like a a cold for the vast majority of people. I guess where I'm going with this is I was out and about quite a bit over the, the I've been out and about quite a bit over the last several days and Despite the fact that you've now got recommendations that people should be wearing masks and stuff like that, I'm not seeing it. I mean, I'm not seeing any sort of large percentage of of people wearing masks. I was down at the airport Saturday night to pick up my wife. She was coming back from Florida. I I watched pretty much everybody get off the airplane, and at least all the people I saw that were coming out of the gate on the flight she was on and another flight that was coming in at the same time, I... Maybe, maybe 5% of the people were wearing masks. Maybe 5%, and that would be a stretch. I've been in a number of public settings over the course of the last several days um, in Milwaukee County and a couple of other surrounding counties. Maybe 5% of the people wearing masks. So despite the the return and the reemergence of this, this latest variant, this BA5, my sense is that people are by and large over COVID. And by what I mean over COVID, I mean that people are accepting that this is going to be a a fact of life that we're going to have to live with, that we've now reached the point where it is endemic. And for most people, and again, I appreciate that if you've got serious health issues going on, if you're immune compromised, it's, it's a whole different story with COVID, just like it's a whole different story with the flu and other things. But for the vast majority of people, I, I get the sense that you know public health officials can say, well, we, we, we do these mask recommendations or whatever, and we think you need to social distance. I don't get the sense that any Anybody is too strong a word. I don't get the sense that many people are buying that. So, 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you over COVID? And by over, I mean, have we now reached a point where, look, this is just something that we're going to have to figure out how to, to live with and recognize that just like we can get colds, just like we can get flu, this is this is a risk that we're going to take, and now are you ready to go about your life? 855-616-1620, and I will tell you, just based on my observations, like I say, over the last week or two, even though you've got this variant out there, I think people have moved on. 855-616-1620, have you? We discuss in a moment. So the City of Milwaukee Health Department comes out late last week, um, with a health advisory um, urging residents to wear masks in public settings indoors among rising numbers of, of COVID. This is the, the latest variant, this BA5. I I mean, I just don't think anybody's listening anymore. Now, you can argue whether they should or not, but I just, based on my own observations, I just think people have completely and totally tuned this out at this point in time i think they're over it here's heather jeff we just got back from a few days in wisconsin dells and we were actually surprised to see how many people were wearing masks including the lifeguard um i've worked two essential health care jobs during covid after two years of being bombarded with this i'm over it i think both of my employers are getting close to oh, being are getting close to being over it as well 
one of my employers says unvaccinated can seek weekly testing and they're starting to relax on the social distancing rules and the masking. Jeff, I've been over COVID for a while and I believe the CDC said that the vaccinations won't protect you from the new variants. So why are certain places still requiring vaccinations? Jeff, I never stopped wearing my mask. The pandemic is not over. It will never be over because of selfish people. No, that's not, I don't think that's true. It's never going to be over because you continue to get different variants of, of this. And and that's the idea, this idea that, well, if everybody wore masks, you know, we wouldn't have it going on. Well, OK, I guess maybe so. If everybody wore masks forever, maybe that would help reduce it. But covid is unfortunately now it is it is we've reached that stage where it's endemic. It's always going to be with us. The good news about that is, again, for most people, and I understand it's a different story if you're immune compromised or something like that. But for for most people. It is now a nuisance as opposed to something that's going to put you in the hospital for most people. Jeff in Fox Point, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm over COVID, but I am less freaked out about it. I do still mask when I go visit a close family member in a nursing home. I'll wear one in a week, like leading up to it. And then I do have a vacation next week, and I don't want to get COVID for it, so I am masking quite a lot this week and i am wearing one of the grocery store later and if i get attitude from anyone they will get crop dusted well you're not gonna i, I mean thanks to coach I, I doubt you're gonna get attitude from so i hope people aren't giving attitude to people who are wearing masks i just like i, I think the, the, the i don't think you give attitude to people who, who aren't wearing masks if people feel more comfortable doing that i that's i mean again go with god i think that's an individual decision and i do think that you're going to be at a point where there's always going to be a certain percentage of the population moving forward and i don't know if it's five percent or ten percent i don't think it's going to be more than that of people who who wear masks forever and you know um that's that's okay. Jeff, I will continue to mask when shopping or around crowds at inside venues. I am flying at the end of September, and I will mask. It is my choice. I accept COVID is here to stay, but I'm now near 70. I feel less vulnerable um, with the, the masks. And, yes, I'm vaccinated and double boosted. I respect that I am in the minority when it comes to this. And that's, see, I think that's all, I think that's all well and good. But at the same time, I think a lot of people have just, they, they've now, they have moved on. And you can argue they're stupid. You can argue they're selfish. I don't think that that's, that's fair. I think that they're just judging their individual circumstances here. COVID over and out. The only time I mask up is for my doctor's appointments. And that's because it's required. Once I'm in the exam room and he says that you can take the mask off, I take the mask off. Jeff, I've gotten all my shots. I will get all the future boosters, but I'm done with masks. I don't think at this point that they serve any realistic purpose. Jeff, because um, I and my partner uh, need to regularly visit healthcare facilities that require masks, we agree um, we use them almost daily. Yeah, and I think that that's a... I think that that's a, a fair situation. Jeff, my wife and I were relaxing our precautions for a while, and she tested positive yesterday. It's not over. No, I know it's not over. And But I guess my point is it's never going to be over. That That's sort of, I think, the reality that's out there. And like I say, I, I probably know more people in the last 90 days who have come down with some variation with, with COVID in some way, shape, or form than, than I did in that, that first two years that were there. So, no, it, it's not over, but... It's also never going to be over. And I think that's kind of the reality that we we have. I hope they get to a point soon 
where you like the flu shot, you can get a vaccination for whatever the latest strain is, and that will at least go a ways towards protecting you. The good news, as I was saying a couple minutes though, about while it's not over, most people, not everyone, but most people who are coming down with this latest strain are, are not, they're not in the hospital, they're, they're not in the morgue. It tends to be a milder sort of you know, situation. But it's an individual decision for folks. Jeff, even though I am considered immune compromised, I have not been wearing a mask. However, this weekend I'm flying to Boston and plan to mask up in the airports and on the flights. Yeah, I, I understand that. We've got we've got our trip to Alaska coming up. We leave a week from Tuesday. And I, I will acknowledge that and, and what you have to do, because we end up in Canada, Canada is still sort of very, very COVID conscious, if you want to use that word. And because the, the, the trip ends up in Canada, what you have to do is you have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops, including um, a week from Monday, we have to go in, we've got to get COVID tested, because, again, because the cruise goes through Canada, you're going to have to prove that you had a negative uh, result of that. So you, you've got to jump through a couple hoops. Um, I will acknowledge, next week, in anticipation of this trip, my, my guess is I'm going to try to, to the extent I can, probably uh, avoid you know, large group type of settings to the extent that I possibly can, just because I want to minimize that risk, because I've been looking forward to going on this Alaska trip. But from my perspective, am I materially changing my behavior? No. I understand, though, that there's the, those risks that are out there. But I think the, the bottom line of all this is, again, the health department can do what the health department wants to do. But I think sometimes it ends up falling on deaf ears. And I think that, you know, we need to figure out a way to figure out how we are going to live with COVID. And don't get me wrong, for those of you who want to wear masks and all that, I, that, that, that's great. But I think the vast majority of people are kind of past that at this point in time. WTMJ, well, we're packing our bags, literally. There's boxes all over the halls here. People are cleaning off their desks. We're packing our bags. We're heading downtown. Wisconsin's radio station is moving to the Avenue. That's the space formerly known as the Grand Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. Follow our progress all summer long as we embark on a journey to our new home. The Avenue is vibrant, exciting, plus you'll be able to come by and see us. Yeah, I'm going to be the boy in the bubble for a while. WTMJ's Move to the Avenue is sponsored by Coakley Brothers and Brothers Interior, the official moving and furniture provider of GKB Milwaukee. So, Alex Crow, were you down there? Have you seen the space yet? I have not seen our space. I've been to, like, the Third Street Market Hall area, but I have not seen where we are going to be, no. Okay, well, we're on, on like, one wall. There is, like, I, I was down there. They had a meeting, and so I, I went to it like last week. I was the guy who got to stay in the newsroom. I was the designated survivor you, in the You were the designated you survivor. Well, yeah. I, I got down there and our general manager was good enough to give me a, we, we did a we did a tour of, the, the two of us, we did a tour of the, the stu- where the studios are going to nice. be and they're still working on them. And it's, But it's, 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 it's quite nice and I didn't get to see, there, there's there's a staircase that goes up to where the um, Offices are going to be. I didn't get a chance to get up to the, the staircase okay. and stuff, but I, I mean, I, I saw the studios and all. I think it's going to be, 
it, it will be just absolutely fine. It's an interesting experience, and it's definitely different. I hear our newsroom is not too far from the studio, so it's not like around the hallway like this one where we got to go around the hall. You are right next door, right? <laughs> nice. the, the newsroom is, there's like, so on one end, there's the WTMJ studio, then there's the newsroom, and then there's ESPN, and then there's the truth. So all three of those stations are going to be just, you know, right down there, and you, you can come by, and you can walk by, and you can, you know, say hi to everybody very that, that's cool. going to be there. It will be very cool. The offices are scheduled to move our office staff in mid-August, and mm-hmm. then um, we're, I think, September 26th is the day for the broadcast to be yeah. down there. Even, like, different days that week, it's different stations move at different times, and we and the WTMJ team are the very last ones, so they're going to, like kick us out before our lease is up we're it okay so i mean well that that's okay i kind of came with this building i feel like <laughs> I, I think i actually i am the longest of uh, at least continuous wtmj employee now because our friend brenda is retiring so it, it's i think it's me so i you know i think <laughs> I, at least i hope to be one of the people that kind of turn out the lights when we go down there maybe so they'll let you do it <laughs> maybe they'll, maybe, you know, what they're going to do is they're going to then then the folks from scripts are going to like go through my pockets to make sure i'm not stealing anything <laughs> or anything like that you can't move that out so, Alex, do you remember where you went to buy your first legal drink or to have somebody buy your first legal drink? Do you remember the place? Um, I suppose, yeah, I do. It was uh, in Oshkosh where I went to school at the time. Okay. I remember the place where I had my first legal drink. I'll tell you that story, and then we'll talk about a broader issue in just a second. <laughs> Stick around. Charlie, producing the show today and always, I, I love our listening audience because, I, I, I so I, I just, the, the tease to this this topic was I, I asked Alex about, you know, his first drink, and that, that that's kind of a, a launching point for where I wanted to go. I'm now getting all these texts from people who remember where their first drink was, you know, which I, I, might be a more interesting take on this, but we'll kind of incorporate it into where I was going on this. There, there are certain things that you remember about your life. You remember, I mean, you remember your first date, right? You remember your first kiss. I mean, I think most people remember that. And for a lot of us, and I fall into this category, I remember my first legal drink. Uh, my birthday is in May, so I was a um, uh, the drinking age in Wisconsin was eighteen at the time, and now I understand it's twenty one. But when I when I turned eighteen, it, that was the the drinking age, and it was May. So this is my senior year in high school, and we're um, it's May, so we're we're kind of in that that senior itis type of thing. You know, you're just kind of hanging out, and waiting to to graduate, and you're accepted to college and all that stuff. And I, I, I vividly remember, I'm sure that we were excused from school. I, I'm positive that we wouldn't have cut classes. But I, I distinctly remember myself and, and several of my buddies on my birthday, we we went to a, a place where I, I, was, I was so proud of the fact that I had my ID. I, I, I wanted to be carded because I, I wanted to show that I was old enough to legally go in and, and buy a, a drink. And I, I remember vividly the place we went. We went to... Major Goolsby's downtown, and Major Goolsby's is, of course, what on on Kilbourne there, and it's right across from what at the time was the Milwaukee Arena, now it's the UWM Panther Arena, and just down the street from what was the Bradley Center, and now it's a couple blocks down the street from the the Pfizer Forum. But Major Goolsby's was the place that you know we that was that was one of the big hangout places, and that was the place I remember. And I can remember I can remember walking in that that afternoon, whether it was. 
after school or whether it was a little before school ended. And I can remember sitting there and you know, having a sandwich and having a beer. And it was such a cool, a cool experience. It was like, OK, now now I'm all grown up. Well, I, I had a lot more growing up to do, but it was very cool. And, and I've always had a special fondness in my heart for Major Goolsby's. And if you grew up around here, you know Goolsby's as the institution that it was. And it, it used to be about half its size. And then what they did is they kicked out a back wall and they put this huge area in the back. And now it's probably three times as large as it was when I first started patronizing it back when I was old enough to legally buy a drink. If you can picture where Major Goolsby's is, again, downtown, it it's in the same block where there used to be what I'm going to describe as the Journal Sentinel building, where the the newspaper's offices were. And um, that, of course, has changed. The newspaper is long gone from from there, and the newspaper's offices have moved. That block was was sold, and they're going to put apartments in there and things like that. It's going to change dramatically. And one of the things that was at least speculated on was that once they start the development down there, you know, Major Ghoul's Beach, which has been a bar that, like I say, it, it's got to go back to the 60s, if not if not before that. Um, one of the things was it's probably going to be the end of Major Goolsby's because what's going to happen is as the redevelopment people move in, they're going to tear that down and just, you know, put up whatever else they're, they're going to put up there. Well, um, that's that's different. That That's changed a little bit. There's a story out just in the last couple of days that apparently the developer who purchased that whole block on, on State Street there, like Third and State, um, has decided that they're going to sell the Major Goolsby's building to the, the owners of of the of Major Goolsby's. And apparently they've agreed to, to purchase this. So Major Goolsby's is going to continue to exist as, as Major Goolsby's. And this bar that, I, say, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to, to figure out, I mean, it's got to, I don't know when it originated, but I mean, Major Goolsby's has been there as long as I can remember, and I can remember a long way back. So, you know, what you're talking about is, again, something that's been around for, you know, 50, 60 years, and it's going to continue to be there. And even though I don't get down there that much anymore, it still, it makes me feel good because it, it's an institution, and I'm, I'm glad it's there. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. For good or bad, the reality is that I think for a lot of us, you know, we, we all have our own cheers, you know, and, and taverns and bars and places like that. They're, they're, they're kind of like our home away from home. And, you know, you have restaurants and bars, but bars in particular, that's what I'm talking about now, that, that come and go. You know, and it's like you'll have a place that's really, really hot, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's, it's gone. It just disappeared. It fell out of favor, whatever. You know, the owner was getting, owners were getting divorced or whatever, or they just got tired of running it or whatever, and it closes. But there are a lot of taverns, bars around here that are just institutions, like like Major Goolsby's is one. So I want to have a little bit of fun on a hot Thursday afternoon. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. What is your cheers? You know, what is the place? And I guess, you know, it's what is the place that, that you go to? And, and is there a place that you've been going to since you were a kid, since you were a young adult? Is there... 
some bar that is your place, it is your hangout, it is your home away from home, and it has been for decades. Question mark. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk on text line. You know, is it Major Goolsby's? Is it some other place that you've been hanging out for more years than you can possibly remember? And what is it that makes it so cool? 855-616-1620. All right. Where's your cheers? We discuss in a moment. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. You know, so often we end up talking about the places that have closed and things like that. That's why I thought this story about Major Goolsby's, you know, buying the, the building and they're going to stay and not be torn down. That That is an institution. And I thought we'd do at least one segment, one segment uh, devoted to these Milwaukee taverns, your, your cheers, the, the places that have been there forever. I I just I was glad to see this because even I don't, I don't get the Goolsby's that much anymore. I can remember that's where I went for my first legal beer. I'm not going to necessarily say it was the first beer I ever had out, but it was my first legal beer. Let's talk to David in West Dallas. David, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, good afternoon. Hi, David. My my cheers is a place called Sarge's Corners. It's on the, in West Dallas, right on the border of West Milwaukee. You walk in the door, everybody knows you. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, uh, We have birthday parties. We have bags in the backyard. We have bonfires. Uh-huh. It's the same group, and uh, been going there for fifteen years. So you walk in three years. So do you have your own bar stool there? I mean, is there a special place that you sit all the time? Well, I have my own glass. <laughs> uh, most people have their own special uh, bar stool. All the women sit. They have a congregation on one corner, and the guys are on the other. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, it's pretty much a standard every every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday, and you, girls' night on Wednesdays. There so. you go. That, that, that's it. I, I love that. The reason I asked you that is, um, oh, this was a couple years back, but there was a um, – I, I stopped off at, at, a, at a restaurant that had a fish fry, and they had a bar. And so it was one of those where I, I didn't call ahead. I was just going to stop off. I was going to order the fish fry, and then I was going to go like like sit in. And it's a relatively small bar. I was going to sit in the bar and, and wait for the fish fry to be done, and then pick it up and take it home. That was the plan. And and I knew the minute I walked in that there were all these regulars that were there. So I find an open bar stool. I sit in the open bar stool, and everybody starts giving me the evil eye because I'm in Charlie's seat. You know, <laughs> it's like okay, Charlie. But everybody's like. Well, wait, who, who is this new guy that, that's here and how dare he sit in like Charlie's seat? It was kind of like, I just, I'm just waiting for the fish fry. Don't worry. You know, if, if he comes, I'll, I'll, I'll be willing to, to vacate the thing. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, for me, longstanding place is the Long Branch in West Bend. Um, Great relationship um, there. Jeff, I miss the Wisconsin Corner Bars, which are becoming rare. They, they are. That's it. Jeff, Roman's Pub on KK near Thomas Moore High School. Um, yeah, that's, that's of course, a famous place, and Roman's has all sorts of uh all sorts of great beer. That's very famous for that. number of people are mentioning Wolski's Tavern. Um, one of our texters says, yes, I have closed Wolski's on many occasions, and I have a lot of the different bumper stickers to prove that. Um, Jeff, for me, it's a place called Rusty's Backwater Saloon outside of Stevens Point. I went there weekly with my folks for fish when I was a child and then started going there as a young adult when I turned 21 regularly, even though I now live outside Milwaukee. 
Milwaukee and East Troy. Whenever I go home, that's where I go. Funny thing about it is the people haven't changed, though the bartenders have. Um, but nevertheless, the moment you walk in, it's like being in an extension of your home. That's from Tim in um, west on the west side. Uh, Jeff, uh, my cheers would be the landmark 1850 across from the airport. Been going there since the 1980s. I hope it reopens after the owner sadly died a couple months ago. Yeah, there's a um, there are a number of those places on on the south side that have just they're the classic Milwaukee bars that have taverns that have, have just been there forever. My my brother in law Dave, um, who worked most of his life at um, Alan Bradley and then later on Rockwell, he knew all those places. And every once in a while, he's kind enough to take me on a tour of some of those, going back to the places, and it's it's um, it's just incredible um how you you end up doing that 855-616-1620 jeff for me avant Trier's. um plus there was some other bar i can't remember the name of right off of good hope and maybe 35th street trying to picture maybe that's the friendly inn or something like that but you know that was a place that everybody would hang out as well jeff for me it's greg's tap in downtown adele Good food and good friends. That's that's it. Now, I, um, Jeff, current Cheers places are my living room. Well, I understand that's one of the things that happens. Jeff, for me, pitches on Humboldt. I have been going there for years and years. Jeff Wolski's Classic Milwaukee Neighborhood Bar, Great Bloody Marys, and Old School Darts. That is old school. Even the I Closed Wolski sticker is a classic. You know, one of the things I, I, I play golf. I have a couple friends. We've been playing golf forever, um, um, and they... They they know they know the places to go to get a two fifty pint of of beer. Matter of fact, that that's kind of the operative thing, you know. If I'm with my buddies Dick and Mike, we're we're looking for that two fifty you know pint of beer, and you know they they know a couple places, and I get to tag along with them. It's so much fun because you you kind of walk in, and I'm the kind of the in, I'm kind of the outsider. It's like oh you've got that Wagner guy with you, you've got that radio guy with you, but they're belling up to the bar, and it is their their cheers. It's it's one of the great things that you have people that have been there forever. Jeff, for me, it's the Hiawatha Bar in Sturdivant. Jeff, it's the Happy Tap in West Allis. There's a lot of great places like that. Jeff, for me, it would be Left's Lucky Town on State Street. Yeah, that's been there forever as well. Jeff, the Dover Inn, Racine County, it's cheers. The people know everyone. That's see that's the great place about taverns and that's the great place about the thing about the taverns that have been able to I don't know make it for a long time that they're just they're there they maybe they've gone through a bunch of owners but they continue to have that character and I guess I'm I'm glad Major Goolsby's is going to be around for the foreseeable future um makes me inspired next time I'm down at Fiserv or something, maybe swing by and just kind of relive the days of my misbegotten youth, youth and, you know, have another one of those legal beers. But whatever your cheers is, I encourage you to patronize it and enjoy yourselves while you're doing it.